This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's the Now News Panel on AMI. I'm Dave Brown, joined by Michelle McQuig and Joita Gupta. Let's address the next topic. Stats Canada has released some data about renters across the country. Emily Javesky breaks it down. Statistics Canada says survey results over the last few years show renters are more prone to reporting lower quality of life than homeowners, especially in Vancouver and Toronto. The agency says young people surveyed in 2023 were less likely to report high overall life satisfaction and excellent or good mental health compared with older Canadians 55 and up. Those living in Toronto and Vancouver in 2021 through 2023 reported lower life satisfaction than others in BC and Ontario and also had a lower sense of belonging to their community. Emily Joveski, The Canadian Press. Thank you very much for that, Emily. Okay, guys, we have beaten the housing horse pretty substantially, but there's an angle here in regard to loneliness that renters are feeling at a higher proportion than homeowners that I think is ripe for a bit of a discussion. Michelle, where do you think that comes from? Where do you think the loneliness is coming from for renters in a different way than homeowners? Yeah, I've been mulling this over for a bit, and I can think of a few factors that I think might influence the picture, but probably don't account for all of it. So I'm really interested in everyone else's theories, too. I mean, we are talking about a a younger demographic and a more transient demographic by definition, people who come and go more often, generally speaking. Uh, Renters, in terms of ties to the community, because of that very, those same factors of of transients and perhaps potentially moving around more, the ties to the community, the weaker ties make a little bit of sense to me in that way. In terms of overall life satisfaction, it's interesting too. Again, the time of life, I think, really matters. These are people who are probably more likely to be living alone than, than homeowners. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all these things matter and probably affect the data somewhat, but possibly not to all of it. Like I, I do find it a really interesting, striking figure as well, because it's a pretty big discrepancy and I don't think all the factors that I've mentioned account for everything the same with, with, you know, again, renters are going to be feeling the affordability crunch more in all likelihood, especially in cities like Toronto and Vancouver, maybe the places where they're living, the places they're renting are not as nicely built or just not as desirable homes or locations. And maybe that contributes as well. So there's a lot of factors, but we also are in a very turbulent time for mental health. So I have other questions too. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to get to the generational side and the mental health side, particularly for young people in a moment. But Joita, more broadly, mm. where do you think this notion of increased loneliness is coming from? Again, for renters specifically, mm. right? Like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's so interesting that the type of housing yeah. that you are paying for is mm-hmm. on in aggregate impacting your loneliness factor. Mm-hmm. That fascinates me. But it's not all that surprising. I mean, if you think about neighborhoods, for example, right, if you're from a higher income, if you're bracket, 
uh, this is just, you know, it's just, again, a bit of common sense. But again, I think something that we can all relate to if you if you're from a higher income bracket, and you're able to rent or buy in a in a in a better neighborhood, you might have better amenities, lower crime, you know, access to better schools, um, and consequently report better mental health. And so where you live in a particular city uh, has an impact on your mental health. And so it's not all that surprising that the kind of housing you occupy has an impact on your mental health. And affordability is a big part of it, uh, with renters spending quite a bit more than the uh, the CMHC mandated 30% after-tax income on rent. You know, people are spending quite a bit more than that. I think that's a bit of a pipe dream now. Um, but also... Uh, you know, because rents have become so unaffordable and there's so much housing insecurity, we talk about, you know, economic evictions. For example, in Ontario, if you live in a building that was built after November 2018, your landlord can basically jack up the rent as much as they want. So if they just want to get rid of you as a tenant, what do they do? They just, you know, jack up your rent, maybe 20% or something because they can, oh. and suddenly you're out on your year. So Michelle's point about, uh, the high rate of the, the the high turnover amongst tenants is a really good one because part of it, yes, is life circumstances, but a lot of it comes down to the instability of the rental market. And if you've just never had the opportunity to get to know your neighbors because you're moving every two or three years, yeah. which I have heard from many friends is the case, then of course you're going to feel lonely. Of course you're going to feel like you're just stuck in your apartment. Uh, I'm sure the pandemic hasn't helped any either, right? Like you just, you had, everyone was dealing with mental health and isolation. And I think uh, with with renters and with tenants in particular, you have fewer social interactions and, and fewer uh, you just don't know the people around you. You don't have a sense of community. You you go to your apartment, you eat, you sleep, you, you go to work the next day and on and on. And also, uh, you know, it, it could be younger people, but it could be people across all age groups. Now, well, I think. No, 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 no. The data says that it's younger people. Like, let's be clear. Well, yeah. The data it, says that it's well, younger people. Well, then, you know, younger people have other pressures as well, right? The student loans are a big one, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and trying to save up to buy a house and feeling like that is getting out of is you know you're feeling that is just increasingly out of reach for every you know maybe i'd save i don't know twenty thousand dollars a year and the price of a house jumps by another half a million well where am i am, am i ever going to get to buy a house i can i can see how that can add to a lot of depression as well so um it's a it's a it's not an entirely surprising outcome but it's also i think um uh an outcome that exists at the intersection of uh, failure in, in 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 housing policy and uh, and really the the fact that we haven't been able to create communities for renters and uh, you know find yeah. places where people can actually can belong. I, I think fundamentally I that's the argument that there's something that's very temporary about being a renter. So why yeah. would you engage with your community? Go ahead, Michelle. And that, this is why I want to, like, something you said right at the end, Joita, I think kind of ties back to Dave's question. You were talking about the questions that people face of, like, oh, my gosh, how am I ever going to afford a house? That wears people down. That, that mm -hmm. does take a toll on the mental health. And I think there is, like, there's a society narrative about success being defined in terms of homeownership. And I think there's a sense that people who are not owning homes, as it is yet, for whatever reason, internalize a sense of failure and that 
wouldn't do great things for my mental health for, for one. Mm -hmm. like, All right. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to leave the age demographic part of this conversation to the next segment because we're about to dive into millennials becoming the biggest mm -hmm. age group in Canada in the next segment of the show. So I want to jump ahead to a bigger thought here because I can also tell based on both your answers that we all agree with Nelly. Hey, it must be the money. So the bigger mm -hmm. thought here. Toronto and Vancouver are cool cities. At least one of them is. But when do you think the affordability issue is going to reach a tipping point where folks end up splitting for places like Calgary, Ottawa, Fredericton, etc., Saskatoon, Winnipeg? Michelle, these are all incredible Canadian cities where the totally. cost of living is about halved that of Toronto and Vancouver, and there's no shortage of economic opportunities in places like Calgary, Ottawa, and Fredericton. So I wonder at what point a tipping point gets reached here where people just say, forget Toronto and Vancouver. These cities are too big. They're too expensive. They're too sprawly. I can't find community. I'm getting the heck out of Dodge. I think it's already here. I mean, we are starting to see an exodus. We we, we saw it for sure in, in the pandemic oh, the sheer sure. number yeah. of people exiting ontario for nova scotia for instance like not even just toronto and the nova scotians um, are still angry about that <laughs> uh, totally and i don't entirely blame them notice that. i didn't include um, halifax on this list because housing has gotten out of control in halifax <laughs> well I, but this is the thing but we are already seeing housing creep in, in a lot of the bedroom communities around these cities and now starting to spread to cities further afield so i if we're not there yet, I think we're really close. Um, I, I think you're far from alone, Dave, in, in your your sentiments on on one of the two big cities, and uh, and the housing prices also. Like even the people loved Vancouver and Toronto when they're desperate to live there, the economic realities are just such that they can't for a lot of people, and and those drive people. So yeah. that's what that's. I, I think we're already mm -hmm. seeing it. I really do. So for an Ontario resident, it's a little bit different, right? If you just want to keep all your Ontario stuff, your driver's license, your ID card, your health card, et cetera, there are affordable places to go live. Windsor, I'm going to shout out mm -hmm. Kingston. I'm going to shout out Brockville. I'm going to shout out Ottawa. Yep. Now, if you're, in Vancouver, it's a little bit, if you're in Vancouver, it's a little bit different because Victoria is wildly expensive. Kelowna is wildly expensive. So there's almost mm -hmm. no reprieve in British Columbia. You're probably looking at making the move to Alberta, Calgary, Edmonton, Red Deer etc maybe even going deeper into the prairies saskatoon winnipeg etc but joita what do you think about the mm. bigger thought here at what point the affordability issue might start stripping the identity away from these cities and taking the appeal away while still understanding this is where a lot of economic opportunity stands in these two I places think, yeah i think the the big thing here is the economic opportunities and whether there are com comparable opportunities in other parts of the country uh people will put up with a lot to have a good job um and that might mean you know saying that i'm going to stay in toronto or i'm going to live in vancouver and i'm going to sacrifice having a big house with a backyard and i'm going to make do with that condo because the you know, the head office of this company is in Toronto or it's in Vancouver. Um, there's just no getting away from that reality. Yes, you know, you see labor migration when there are economic opportunities in other parts of the country. A lot of people made their way to Calgary and to, uh, you know, Edmonton uh, and just to Alberta when the oil industry was booming. People saw opportunities there and they went there for work. And I think that while people do make the argument uh, that at some point, owing to the lack of affordable housing 
suffering um, and the diminished quality of life in both Toronto and Vancouver, people are going to start to move away from those cities. And indeed, we do see a lot of that happening, um, people moving further and further further away um, and going to other parts of the country. As long as Toronto and Vancouver remain uh, economic hubs in Canada, I think you're going to find that people are willing to take a lot of financial distress on just to be able to say that they're close to the center of work, the yeah, center of yeah. you know education. I, I don't ever see people abandoning Toronto or Vancouver uh, and, and looking for greener pastures. I mean, I mean, take you know, take my example for instance. I'm adamant to remain in Toronto. Could I afford to buy a house or live, you know, outside of Toronto? Absolutely. But again, as a person with a disability, if I were to move away from the GTA, what sort of services am I going to have? Are we going to have the same access to paratransit? Are there going to be access to people who need PSWs? Do you get the same level of support in in, in so, communities? So again, so that's the, but, but the, Judith, this is why I'm pitching places like Calgary and Ottawa. I'm not pitching like the the gray area between Belleville and Toronto. I'm, yeah, I'm pitching yeah. real cities here. Like the, let's the, the let's take the center of the universe out of this. Like there no, are no, 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 there no, is I, paratranspo in Ottawa. There are there PSWs is. in Ottawa. <laughs> There are, there is, there is. But here's the thing, again, if you think about it from a disability standpoint, for a lot of people with disabilities, the family remains a source of care and that's a source fair. of support. That's fair. And that's, you know, that's where I come in as well. Do I want to move to Calgary or Ottawa? Actually, I kind of do. I love Ottawa. I would love to live there. But I would also be quite a number of hours away from my parents and from people that I rely on, uh, you know, for help and support on a day-to-day basis. And I think that is a very big factor for people, especially when you think about people with disabilities, that we don't want to create a lot of distance if we can uh, between ourselves and our families, you know, yep. provided we get along with them. Yep, that's a fair point for sure. <laughs> All right, Julie and Michelle, thank you both for this one. After the break, more Stats Canada data to mull over, this time all about generations. Stats Canada finds millennials are now the biggest age demographic in the country. We're number one. We're number one. What are the bigger implications, societal implications of millennials becoming the dominant age group? This is the Now News Panel on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.